0: To the Vitafoods Insights podcast. Join us as we explore the latest science and innovation, helping the global health and nutrition industry connect, develop, and progress. Today's host is
1: Natalia Franca Rocha, content producer. Hello and welcome to our Vital Foods Inside Sustainability Series podcast. I'm Natalia Franza Rocha and today we'll be talking about how to achieve sustainability through the nutraceutical industry. I'm joined today by Professor Rupesh Kumarpati, who is actively involved in research published in the domain of sustainable supply chain management in pharmaceutical, nutraceutical, agrochemicals industries, primarily focusing on the need of sustainability adoption across the business. Thank you for joining me, Rupesh.
0: Thank you, Natalia.
1: I'm really excited to discuss more about sustainability in the nutraceutical industry with you today. But before we start, can you first share with our listeners about your backgrounds and your research interests?
0: So, my name is Professor Rupesh Kumar Bhatti. I'm currently a professor in Indian Institute of Management Code. It's one of the leading institutes in management domain in India. I have done my research even, if, uh, I'll say, 15 years back when the terminology of sustainability was itself not there in the dictionary. That time itself, I was working on the domain of sustainability. So, I have done a lot of studies as it is introduced by Natalia on pharmaceuticals, on agrochemicals, agri- on human behavior of not adopting organic foods. Even though it's recommended by doctors, it's good enough. The same behavior we see it in pharmaceutical industries where we see a lot of pollutions happening because of medicines. Still people in India and developing countries dying because of lack of medicines. And the same we could observe it in nutraceuticals. So along with one of my students, we have started working on nutraceuticals industries. So because we could see many of the underdeveloped countries, including developing countries as well as India, ranked very bad in terms of the nutraceuticals, uh, GHI's Global Hunger Index. So this year itself, it is around 97 out of 107 countries. So it clearly indicates the importance of nutraceuticals, what is coming up due to the so-called as the challenges in uh, malnutrition, which is happening across the world. So prior to joining IMK, I was basically Scientist in a space organization in India, it's the only space organization in India, Indian Space Research Organization, few years.
1: Thanks for that overview. It is definitely great to see how the academia is pushing for more sustainable practices. And I know you've recently published a review on achieving the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals 2030 through the nutraceutical industry. Can you share with us more of what you've learned after reviewing over a decade worth of information? And what is the triple burden of malnutrition?
0: So if you have a look at the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals, the primary focus, if you see is number one is on priority, no poverty, the second one is zero hunger, the third one is good health and well-being. So when you look at those top three goals, it has a significant impact when you look at majority of the countries are not able to meet these three goals itself. If you have a look, whatever study we had done, preliminary investigation from our end, it could be shown from our end through a lot of uh, World, uh, World Health Organization studies that close to around almost 88-90% of the countries are definitely facing some kind of malnutrition in their particular countries and maybe in a developed and underdeveloped countries, the issues are different, all these countries, but definitely they are looking at some kind or other of malnutrition. So clearly it indicates that somewhere either the policy makers or the industry body could be looking at a scenario where we would like to intervene. And then have a look at how do we improve this malnutrition situation. Because if I want to improve the health of a nation, it's primarily important that I should eradicate poverty as much as possible. I should have people where hunger is not there as a major driving of death across the society. And of course, both of them are going parallel. Then only I can think of something of a good health and well-being coming up. Now, again, linking these two or three goals, You have other associated goals also which affects, I'll say, the nutraceutical industries, primarily the role of the main company players, private players, which are coming in. So, again, the goal of responsible production and consumptions comes in here. So, you can see majority of these are huge emphasis if you are really trying to achieve UN SDG goal of 2030. So, with that as an objective, we have started our investigation into, let us see what are the last 10 years studies from 2008 onwards, where have they focused on? And it's no surprise that whatever we could see in practice, the literature was also following that. And you could see majority of the studies were done in a non-GHI countries. Primarily, these are all developed nations. Whereas the GHI countries who are ranked very bad in the GAT index of WHO itself. So hardly any focus of research has been conducted These GSI countries like sub-Saharan countries, most of the African countries, India, and lot of uh, Bangladesh, all the Southeast Asian countries, many of them are located. Hardly any focus has been given in research. And you see the problems associated to both these countries are, uh, I'll say, economies are totally different. At one side of the globe, you have in underdeveloped and developing countries, people who do not have even enough affordable capacities to go and buy good quantum of food. On the other hand, because we had done a research already on the food industry, agrochemical industry, so we could see close to around, even in India, if I take it up around close to 25, 30% of people die because of lack of food. Around similar numbers die because of lack of medicines. And this really gets very bad once, once I move on to the African side. So this clearly indicates there is a huge mismatch between where i should focus and where i should not focus on the other hand uh, if i just move across the developed nations it's not the issue of under nutrition which they are facing it's not the issue of i don't have food it's an issue of poor dietary habits where you can see many of the issues which are landing up consuming the nutraceuticals are more concerned about their obesity heart diseases. Most of these things are nothing to do about lack of food or lack of uh, nutrition. It's not proper balance between the nutritions. Even sometimes I might be over consuming than what my human body has a capacity and thus there is lots of I'll say day to day, day in and day out health issues which we face and that can be seen across the globe happening. So you can see the problems in both the parts of the world are completely different by nature. And most of the studies have done on the over nutrition or the issues of imbalance in the nutrition. Whereas there's a huge lack of focus on under nutrition part. And that's where we thought, is it possible that nutraceutical industries can play a huge role here to benefit the entire society? In the new process, we are also trying to explore how does it benefit the environment? And of course, what we presume is none of the companies would be interested to venture into if they are at least not getting back some amount of investment in it, right? So they should definitely get into no profit, no loss of a situation, they given point. So that would motivate more and more companies also to come and invest. So that's classically what sustainable is all about. I should have some economic benefits in that as the investors, as the financiers who are looking at this as a business model proposition. On the other hand, the social benefits and environment benefits are mandatory to have in today's world where we are seeing a huge amount of social unrest, climate change. So these are some things which we could see it in the literature itself. So if you map it together with practice and literature, so it could be seen that lots of focus are there in one part of the world in only specific issues. Whereas, a large gap exists in another part of the world and that's where the future should lie and it provides a huge market opportunity even for the business houses. The second part which we could observe that most of the research was focusing on innovations aspect of it. So, the theoretical lens was primarily looking at diffusion of innovation. So, they were trying to find out lot of new kinds of uh, products which will be helpful for the society. So the approach, the lens was always innovation. They were also looking at efficient utilization of resources. That's where they focus more on resource-based review of the theory. But rarely you will see any one of them are looking all three pillars together. Basically, economic, environmental, and social. So there are theories which have also come out in the last uh, uh, four, four years or so. Which is primarily social resource based theory so you should use it efficiently it's good enough you should do it environmental friendly good enough but all these things cannot compromise the society because as a human being we are as good as our society nearby so if the studies are not using those lenses to focus so even The research does not go into that lens, so whatever learning even the practitioners would be taking up or business houses would be taking up, these lenses would be missing. This can clearly be seen in the kind of studies which have been done across the last 10 years. And most of these studies have focused on issues which is typically looking at sustainable sourcing alone, sustainable production alone, innovations of design as I said. Understanding consumer behavior, but all all of these things, if I again see primary categories are again focused on the developed economy, where developing and underdeveloped economies are still far, far away from the real fact. And if you see the global population spread, most of the population in the global is around 70% of it are actually in the underdeveloped and developing economies. So focus has hugely been on to understand the consumer behavior also in the developed economies and neglecting a huge market segment for a potentially a great industry I'll say nutraceuticals which is a mix of food and pharmaceuticals. So if you have a look at also the challenges which we could see that the more the population is increasing over the years, right, the, the population of globe is increasing. So there's a more demand on food. The Im- increased demand of food has actually pressurized us to start adopting more and more chemicals while producing the food so that productivity of the land enhances. Now what we have done is we have moved out of the natural way of getting the food the natural regeneration cycles, whatever we had it in our soil structures. So these chemicals actually in a long term gets into the food itself. So it gets into our body as an individual. Because of use of excessive chemicals, it is environmentally dangerous. These same chemicals gets down to the water table and we drink that water also. So ultimately, if you see, it's very dangerous to the environment in a long run. And you can see a lot of, Fertilizer industries, biogas the gas industries are also coming up with lots of risk associated while producing them. So that again lands up in air pollutions and a lot of issues which are actually challenging your environmental sustainability. So the studies which were there were exclusively primarily looking at either social sustainability or environmental sustainability. But no one was talking about sustainability as a system. So that means those initiatives should give me some return on investment, right? Which is actually feasible for me to continue such kind of uh, investments going on. It should give me environmental pollution as well as social benefit. If we don't have all these three things together, then it's all about what typically is driven by the regulations, which they call it as corporate social responsibility. So many of the countries have a fixed regulatory corporate social responsibility norm saying two percent three percent of annual profit has to go and uh, annual revenue generation has to go into corporate that's a legal legal regulations how many of us are doing beyond that so am i increasing my, my efficiency of the processes that could be in my distribution process that could be in my supply chain process, entire process right sourcing distributions logistics every aspect of it warehouse and all So that it is beneficial to me, so that I'm interested to go ahead and expand it across the world. Also, in addition to that, it should be beneficial to the environment as well as society. So till we do this, we are only looking at or I'll say hitting the nail of one pillar at a time. So we are not at all looking at all pillars together. So the concept of sustainability, I personally feel still missing to a large extent, very, very limited studies have been done and that took a very specific geographical location. So it's difficult to be generalized in total. But one good thing which I could observe is over the years, most of the studies, if you see, are driven by various international treaties, international policies, which is coming up. For example, we had Copenhagen. Immediately, lots of studies started happening on environmental side We had uh, some uh, revolution, which is about scale of nutrition. So people started talking about how do I improve the nutrition. Again, then many of these studies did not consider environment side. They only thought about nutrition. Then we had this UN SDG goal, which had come up in 2015. So immediately you see now the focus has started shifting. So it's a positive side that some of the studies across again, I'll say focusing mainly on the developed economy have started at least moving in the sustainability side. It could be only in a single pillar, limited number of studies look at all the pillars as such in a huge sample size, whichever we had it. So I'll say, if I take the drugs out of it, it's basically, are we trying to solve all aspects of affordability to the poor people who are in a situation of malnutrition? accessibility are we providing them where they are there or we are expecting that it is there in a very far place these people are already poor i not be able to travel such a distance i cannot afford the logistics cost. are you trying to get that closer to the consumer as such then you are looking at awareness campaigns are we putting lot of awareness campaigns only on i'll say affluent section of the society who are actually looking at their imbalance and nutrients could be there, but not under nutrition. So are we focusing more on that? Could be because there is a huge margin available there and thus that could be a lucrative margin. But is it that some of the industries are also missing that the volume is available on the other side of the table also. So even with very, very few marginal margin, I can get a substantial amount of profitability Provided I can get the accessibility as well as affordability aspect out there. So this is what I could see that majority, nutshell, I'll say these are some things, important aspects which I felt are missing. And these are the areas where we could go ahead in future. And lots of research could be conducted, especially looking at the theoretical context in which you are exploring. Geographical context in which you are exploring. Lack of policy dimensions were also observed in many of these countries because I cannot have the same policy in a developed country and put it down in a developing or underdeveloped countries because of different socio-economic scenarios which are available. So we need to have more contextualized studies in different different geographical parts understanding what are the plus and minus of these specific countries. So this you can say is what is in a bigger way which I could observe in last 10 years, 12 years of literature available in academic and the way it's mismatching with the practice what is happening.
1: Well, that is so insightful. Thank you so much for sharing. And for our listeners interested in the paper, I will add a hyperlink on the show notes so that you can have access to it. But Rupesh, as you've mentioned, and also according to the World Health Organization, the majority of countries face at least one of the issues of undernutrition, micronutrient deficiencies, or overweight, obese populations. And with that in mind, I know you've touched upon some opportunities for the industry, but what exactly is the role of the nutraceutical industry in addressing the UN Sustainable Development Goes when it comes to addressing malnutrition and undernourishment.
0: If you have a look at it, nutraceutical plays a very vital role because there are two different specific different class of industries. One is a food industry yesterday and yesterday's another was a pharmaceutical industries. Pharmaceutical industries primarily was looking at curing of some kind of illness or sickness which a patient or a uh, society is suffering from. And food was to deal with that I should try and provide you better quality of food, better quality of nutrient mix, which is available. Now, the problem in these countries or these economies are all about I'm not getting the right quantity of food as compared to the populations. So, that automatically is leading me to a lot of people of the society and being from these societies. So, you may not be able to even afford for it. Even a single day meal is difficult to have that. So, if I'm looking at Trying to improve the nutrition through food, food is in short supply. So when food is in short supply, it's quite likely that a number of my populations could also go starving throughout the day, multiple days at a chain, could have maximum one or two meal that too not of a substantial quality. So all these things automatically has an impact on the aspects which we are trying to investigate second part of it this is where as i said the pharmaceutical industries also has lot of ill effects because you see different countries across the world have different risk sharing agreements what does it mean that's in some of the developed countries i could see as per the policy regulations it said that if a retailer has excess amount of medicines which is post expiry then the risk is shared by the retailer or wholesaler as well as the manufacturer. And that's a good way because then I will not get similar kind of product from multi brands. So thereby, I'm trying to reduce the quantum of, uh, I'll say, uh, pharmaceutical products getting manufactured, saving environment, even the quantum to be stocked and ultimately to be disposed enough. On the other hand, in many of the developing countries, such kind of frameworks or policies are missing of risk sharing. Say in India also the risk policy itself says that if a product or a pharmaceutical drug expires, it's the responsibility of the manufacturers to take it back and bear the cost. So the impact of it is what is happening is I start getting for this similar kind of medicines from multiple brands. I start getting from every different different companies. i don't know the doctors are going to prescribe which company's product so immediately i may be stocking say i'm just putting a number ten thousand units of a medicine for which actual demand is always 500 or 400 or 300 so that leads me to expiry and then i don't i am not running a risk of it so automatically there is a huge quantity of expiry of medicines that's why i said close to around 30 to 40 percent of food in developing countries are wasted because of Lack of proper management of the food supply chain. Around 30 to 40% of medicines are wasted. Now, this is an utter imbalance when I see that there are equivalent number of 25-30% of the people who die because of medicines and foods. So, you cannot have a wastage happening at one end and people dying because of lack of those things, facilities or food or nutraceuticals, pharmaceuticals at the other end. So, this industry called as nutraceutical is basically a mix of both these industries together. So it can be used to as a supplementary for providing me good quality of nutrition. On the other hand, it would also avoid me from getting into nutritional deficiency, which can lead me to some of the illness. So that's where I can see the role of nutraceutical industry is very, very vital, provided I need to make sure that the design is not only from a perspective of social service because it's very difficult to get finances committed for a very long period of time unless and until it is regulatory mandated. Now, in many of these countries also you see World Health Organizations have wonderful policies of helping many of these underdeveloped and developing countries for the, some of the products like your, your Plum it and all which they have said it's good for children to consume it and they are facilitating it. But the problem is they cannot give it completely for free because there will be a producer at the other end who cannot afford this for such a big population. So even if I want to pay as government, I do not have such capacities in developing an underdeveloped economy. I don't have money for buying. Even if you say lots of aid agencies are there, but aid agency also needs some money to buy it. Financials have to be strong enough. So, when these financials are not strong enough, even for government agencies or as well as the aid agencies, they do not have sufficient stocks to meet the requirement. The moment the meeting of requirement does not happen, that's a problem. Again, saying there is an excess somewhere, there is a wastage somewhere. And could also drive down, I will say, the companies to come and invest here. Because they could see no one is willing to buy and everyone on this world, wants for free does that restrict lot of players who want to give that service also yes it does because no one is there to finance them other aspect of it if you see especially in the context of india you would see a lot of foods are being wasted which are overproduced it could be because somewhere in green revolution happened in 1970s so people started talking about we are lacking in rice we are lacking in so let us increase the volume of rice and wheat so now we are global produ- exporters of it, but the problem is, does it reduce the quantum of land which was required for making other great raw materials, which could be have been as an input for my nutritional deficiency. So how do I get these farmers also back in loop? because soil structures does not change in three seconds, four seconds. To change the soil structure, which for last 20 years have been habituated to producing rice. It again takes a substantial amount of time, six months, eight months, nine months as such. So that the soil is now okay with producing the new item, whatever you want it for nutraceuticals. So who will take care of it? Farmers already are uh, fighting for their own daily battle. So would they be interested? That's again a financial crisis. So that's why I said that the business model should be developed in such a way that it should be win-win-win for almost all the stakeholders that's where nutraceutical really plays a very vital role when i have shortage at every end so can i just put in as nutraceutical i'll say plug-in solution to some segment of the society at least where i'm not depending heavily on certain kind of resources and thereby depriving someone else from the
1: And touching upon that, how can public-private partnerships and stakeholders from the nutraceutical industry offer more support towards the sustainability practices?
0: For that, first of all, I need to identify who are my key stakeholders out here, right? So one stakeholder, as I have already said, are the companies who are going to make the nutraceutical product, logistics player involved, and primarily most of the raw materials are farm-driven, like if you want to have plump in it and all you need to have raw material which is coming from the farmland as said. So those raw materials farmers have to be involved in it. So farmers should be interested to change his or her current practices of what I have to make if the soil structure allows of course with some point of time to what is required. So farmers are important and most important is I should have a faith in the product because there have been international lot of real life instances where safety and regulations have really played, safety regulations have played a huge role in product take backs also. So that's a risk which is associated with it. So the question is, am I also interested to eat where some of the products have safety concerns associated? So it's a consumer who comes in. The last part or the most important part is the undernutrished person. You should be able to get the access to it. You should have an awareness that don't worry this is there and i can consume this particular product and i will even though i consume in a smaller volume i don't have to consume this much big right? smaller volume but it provides sufficient amount of nutrition for my body so i should be able to access it and i should be able to afford it if you are expecting me to pay even at a i'll say not the complete poor part of it i have a better standard of living but then i cannot afford The price of the nutraceuticals which is currently there, if you see most of the price of nutraceuticals are very high compared to normal I will say raw materials which will combine together and have it, the problem is I don't have raw materials, so that raw materials is the problem for us, so they can really help us out in bridging these two gaps.
1: That's so interesting to hear and certainly I'm sure there are lots of gaps and white spaces that the industry can work towards filling in. Now, further in considering sustainability, what would you say should be the focus for companies working in the industry to start or to continue to progress towards sustainability? For example, what are some of the things that the newcomers trying to break into the nutraceutical industry should keep in mind and work towards as well?
0: If I have a look at the nutraceutical problem you can see many of these nutraceutical products to these developing and underdeveloped economies are being exported from outside. Now, there is a huge cost incurred getting a raw material from some other part of the world, making it in developed countries, and then sending it back to the developing and underdeveloped economy. And that increases the cost of doing the business very high. Now, is there any way in which I can start the local sourcing at respective countries, even two countries, three countries which are close together, even if I can have a plant there, which can make it rather than getting it from thousands of kilometers. Does that help? Because there's thousands of kilometers incur along with it, the transportation costs and each of these transportation medium, even though ocean is one of the least environmental polluting, but still it's polluting, it's least, but it's not polluting, I cannot say, right. So can I reduce the quantum of pollution because of excess transportation which is happening across the globe if I can have the local sourcing as close as possible to these economies. Now, that's one aspect which you are looking at. Can I reduce the cost on that side? The second important is if I'm going for local sourcing, conventional when supply chain concepts have always said, more closer you are to the demand point, the lesser stocks you have to maintain, and that will give you even benefits in inventory management. So that again further reduces your cost. But the problem currently is who is going to produce it? So could we as industry along with government policies, right? Because when you asked our stakeholder, the government is very important here and now the companies are very important. Do I have to motivate companies to please come out and invest here, we might be giving you some tax exemptions, there are some kind of source we might be giving you, but whole idea is you come and establish your clients as close as possible. So the exemptions in tax is a policy measure from the government, but on the other hand, it would also be, I'll say, reduced cost for the manufacturer and the financiers, plus the benefits which they get it from, the logistics cost, inventory cost, Transportation costs, right? Now, because they are closer to the market, they may not have to overproduce and underproduce such a huge extent, which they might have been, been doing if they are getting it from very far distance. Problem with well, currently, whatever is happening is also that demand is so high that you are importing from other countries or those countries exporting to me. Then I need to create some local sources where I can get the raw materials and get the processing done here. So, are you looking for investment? Yes. Are you looking from some players who are expert in the domain like nutraceutical is doing it? Yes. So, am I providing right kind of policy intervention so that it can motivate them to come? Most likely no. We are not giving them that because we feel that that may not be that important. But due to lack of that, what is happening is the price of those nutraceutical products are growing very high. And typically those who can only afford it will take, so those who are already suffering from undernutrition would never be able to afford. So if you are really looking at this as a potential business opportunity, then I'm really looking at getting these supports from government. One, changing of mindset from the manufacturer saying I can only do it in that country because quality can only be maintained there, your process quality can be improved here also it's your company so how do I maintain and improve the process quality you can do it at your respective place wherever you decide to have the location right the third part is you need to get the raw material from here and as I said the raw materials are one of the major source of raw materials are farmers right say for peanut, you would have peanut butter and uh, milk and all such products but that I can only get it here that's more cheaper for me because of the rich diversity of land but what was the problem is people have started moving away some three decades back because of lack of i'll say rice wheat all these things so government had pushed that and that they should be self-sufficient but now you are having excess quantity of rice which you are landing up in export but that land piece has already gone to someone else which was there previously for say making peanut has gone to rice so again in need some time for a soil structure to get adjusted. Are we going to support in policy measures or government side of it, policy measures to support the farmers and motivate them that you can transfer yourself back to the content, whichever I want or we want for a nation to reduce the quantum of malnutrition. Thereby, we will enhance our status in the DHI index in the global framework. And that could further improve the chance of more and more big companies coming and trying to invest back in the country because they could see some business value also rather than only saying I'm doing for social sustainability purpose, not for complete sustainability aspect. So we talked something about environment benefits. We talked something about stakeholders involvement. We talked something about the farmers now getting up. Now to get these farmers Having a small piece of land, you may not get the volume of raw material. So, you are actually looking at getting lots of farmers together, like a cooperative society or something of this kind, where the people are or the farmers are interested to um, make up the raw material which is necessary for you. Now, immediately are we looking at maybe the conglomerates helping them out or the business houses helping them out to understand the basic or good technologies, because that may not be available currently in developing and underdeveloped economy. So can these corporate houses help them to get better technology and share the knowledge of best practices? Because once you can show me that and you can might also do a pilot study on a small area where you could see whether it is beneficial for a farmer in one or two years. So that would automatically make lot and lot farmers to get interested if they see that their productivity is increasing and revenue generation source is increasing, the standard of life is increasing. So are we actually impacting the society not only the people who are having food issues or under nutrition issue but also the people who are actually struggling again in the farming business. So the moment they see there's a business opportunity they would be more interested to take up those raw materials which would give them a better margin rather than the Zuman raw materials, which are because of high supply and low demand, they are not getting fair prices for their current rice products, also. So, when they are not getting the fair prices because it's specifically saying huge amount of suppliers compared to demand, so the buyers are always powerful in that. So, can I change my pattern where I have better, I'll say, partnership deals, where I say better opportunity created for my own business? thereby the farmer's standard of living improves, the raw material availability for the manufacturers improves, and as I am local to the manufacturer, I have started making locally, the cost for me as a manufacturer improves. That has an impact on the cost of the final product, which is coming down significantly. The moment I start having cost of final product coming down significantly, it again has an impact on affordability of the end consumer, who are the people who are not able to afford at the existing prices. And this can also, the reduction in the cost would also have an impact on government as well as NGOs or other uh, service organizations who are interested to serve. But in an annual budget they will have, say, a given amount. Yesterday, because of high amount of uh, price, so they were only able to get limited amount of product from these uh, nutraceutical products. But now, as the price has come down with the same amount of budget, they can get more amount of food or nutraceutical foods. And this can again be supplied to the required customer market segment or the people who are under nutrition and micronutrient deficient. So, are we improving the health status of the society? All, all the members, as I said, farmers, main people who are getting affected, called as consumers, manufacturers. So you can see here, there are lots of roles to be played by nutraceutical industries, by policy makers to get these farmers back to making what is good for the economy or the country in total. So that would automatically make the living standard of the country better, the health standard of the country better. So which in a long time reduces the investment of a given country itself on health. So this particular reduction in uh, investment on health could further be sent back for procuring more and more uh, nutraceutical, locally sourced nutraceutical product thereby feeding more and more people who are unable to get this affordability. Now as I said, the important part of the nutraceutical companies are also to create a supply chain where they can reach the needy as close to as possible rather than being located far away and expecting these poor people to go to their places. It's impossible for them because of their affordability. Even the health status may not be allowed.
1: Thank you so much, Rupesh, for this really interesting overview on the opportunities for the nutraceutical industry companies to be more sustainable and also to cater for the end consumer, the communities and the planet as well. Do you have any final thoughts you'd like to share with our listeners?
0: Yes. Nutraceutical is a very promising industry, provided we plan it as a system. We cannot plan it as one entity at a time, we need to plan it as a system and sustainability is the only way in which next four or five years can grow. With industry 4.0 coming in, this will further just improve your efficiency. It would further because of data sharing again make you more and more cost effective. So why not take the advantage of all these wonderful technologies which are coming in to provide the right kind of data to manufacturers and the farmers So that they can take right call what to make, thereby provide the food at the right time to the needier segment as well as reduce the cost so that those people who are still having nutritional imbalance in their side, they can also afford and get the imbalance right and provide good health, uh, I'll say awareness campaigns even to those who are in the developing countries who are landing up to a lot of long-term diseases. Although I could see That the adoption of good health practices have improved in those developing countries, still a bigger part of the society is missing. So it's very important that all of us come together to improve our own sustainable environment so that we live or our next generation live for a better health in a longer period of time.
1: Well, what a nice way to end the show. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's been a pleasure having you and this really interesting discussion as well.
0: Thank you, Natalia. It was a pleasure for me also.
1: You must welcome, and hopefully, we'll see you soon. Thank you also to our listeners for tuning in. For more content from Vital Foods Insights, make sure to check our website on the link available in the show notes. If you do like the show, make sure to subscribe and follow the Vital Foods podcast. Feel free also to recommend the show to a friend you think would enjoy it. That's it for now. Thank you so much, and I'll see you soon.